Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. Time for a much less detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Sunday night, January the 28th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay. We've got our tuxes on, our cummerbunds, our bow ties, and we are ready to give out some hardware. This is one of our more fun nights of the year. We have our honors. And dishonors. Yes, it's the awards that the NFL don't want you to hear. They don't want you to be reminded of some of the more uh, egregious events, shall we say, uh, of the past NFL season. But we do it all. We recognize the people that deserve recognition, whether it's to the good or to the bad. Uh, We've got all the regular awards, the MVP, what I call the shit, and the drizzling shits are our worst players of the year, uh, worst coaches greatest games of the season and everything in between we've got it all lined up and ready to go for you tonight and for the opening of our proceeding procedure tonight our proceedings um i turn it over to my esteemed co-host jason thank you yeah i actually i follow the i follow a script i know you get a little more tongue-in-cheek with the with the uh categories that we have here but first I have to congratulate you for your your winning both picks last week. You get the the honor of winning the season again. Um, second Thank one you've you. won legitimately in a row. Third one overall because uh, the first one <laughs> in the three year was a gift. I mean that was a total uh, gift that you that you got, but that was fine. It was still a win. You can you can never take it away. Uh, totally didn't earn shout, it, but this year you shout out you, you won. Shout the, out to Bobby the Brain Heenan. A win's a win. Oh, no, that's right. Uh, but this year, no. And you know what? You did it the old-fashioned way. You did it the old-fashioned way. You earned it. You had to yeah. win the two picks. You had to win the two picks going into the, the Super Bowl to not make the Super Bowl matter, and you won them both. So, good job. Uh, you won the season. You, you should have won the season. I mean, it should have never made it to the <laughs> conference championship, but that's besides the point. Um, you, you've got the big lead early, and we've seen that trend. Um, Ever since the blog started, we've just seen this trend that one of us seems to just run out to this massive lead over the other one and then just hang on for dear life or, or, or take it all the way through the season. Uh, so it hasn't been a whole lot of drama in our picks the last few years, but every year is different. And uh, this year you, you you had the read early if you, you hung on for dear life late and through the playoffs, but those first three, four weeks that you had that that rocket start that you got off to the season uh, pretty much propelled you to the win and uh, you deserved it. So, so good job to you for, uh, I appreciate that. All I'll say, uh, all I'll say in response is, is this my sports idol, Michael Jordan sometimes got a little bored and those bulls would run out to big leads in the uh, early in the season (laughs) and, just kind of coast the rest of the way and just take yeah. it easy because they knew that when it was crunch time, when it was time to turn it on, they knew how to turn it on. So I like to pretend like I'm Michael Jordan for a second and, and just say that I did it okay. that way on purpose. 
Oh, oh yeah, even yeah, because you com- yeah, even though you completely sleep through, you know, slept through the first two rounds of the playoffs. I think you won one I'm pick. Just turning each of the first, yeah, one pick each of the first two weeks of the playoffs, but you had to get two games right. I had to hope you got one of them wrong and be right about the one you got wrong, and you won them both. So by virtue of the the Jags covering and the Eagles absolutely destroying the Vikings, uh, you got yourself here. So we got a Super Bowl pick that doesn't matter, which is fine because I'm probably not going to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> I turned off the TV halfway through the AFC Championship, just like ah fuck it, I'm 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 done with this season. The season was over for me. Picking against you, my interest level in it was all but zero at that point. Um, I already I don't need to watch the Super Bowl because I already know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. I've, I've seen this with the them. Patriots for too long. I know exactly what's going to happen. The Eagles are going to massively outplay the Patriots in every facet <laughs> of the game for two, two, two and a half, three quarters, three and a half quarters at the Patriots' lowest moment in the game. They will get, um, we'll call it assistance. Moving down the field to give them some hope, and then they'll come back and win the game. That's the best I can say for the Patriots. Whether it be something like three straight defensive holding calls on third downs when they should have been off the field in the Super Bowl, or a completely ridiculous pass interference call towards the end of the first half against Jacksonville that basically give the Patriots their biggest play of the whole game. Not and it is just how it works. Rents are in their pocket or anything like that. No, I'm just saying. It, it, I'm telling you, I equated this to the old NBA Live, the old keep scores close option. <laughs> and, I, and, I, I, I always, and I always get the feeling like you're watching something that's going one way and you were watching a Jacksonville team that was completely dominating that game um, on in every facet. And then all it takes is a horrible overthrow, underthrow, completely inaccurate deep balls from Tom Brady. I mean, these guys have no chance of catching them. And those refs just those flags come out pretty quick, uh, and uh, yeah, it was I was just like nah, whatever. I mean, I even predicted that on the last show. I said this is their only deep game. Their only deep game is throw the ball deep and pray for pass interference, and then they did exactly that multiple times in that game. I was just like ah, Christ. So I already know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. The worst. It was team funny. They were trying to. They were trying to play it straight in the first half, and then Gronk gets jacked up uh, by Barry Church yeah. and knocked out of the game. And the very first play after that, okay, go deep, get a flag, let's go. This is what we do. We, we know we got to do it. They were, they were trying to avoid that, but once Gronk got knocked out, they knew what they had to do. So, hey, give the Patriots credit for knowing exactly how to how to win games. Yes, that's why that's why they are the the best coached team in the league. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, you yeah. you and many others are are not interested in the Super Bowl because the Patriots are back again. And it's not just that the Patriots are back in it; it's that they're back in it, and you really don't ever you actually don't feel like they've they earned their way in. And that's the thing that I get. I I, I didn't think the better team won that AFC Championship game. First of all, they only beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by four points, and. Honestly, you want to you can talk all the stuff about how you know we don't think that Tom Brady is the goat. You go through a Super Bowl run here, and you have to beat Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, and Nick Foles. That doesn't exactly cement your legacy. Hey, the other good quarterbacks couldn't make it through. Well, you know, what can you do? 
Oh, you, oh, again, you only can beat who's in front of you, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so here's me sitting in front of the TV during the Super Bowl. <laughs> blowing your brains out. <laughs> That's right. That'll be me about halftime of the Super Bowl. I don't know if I'll be watching. I, I'm going to have a hard time. I have actually managed to be football-free here for the last week. Um. I've been, I've been watching golf and tennis and baseball news. That's what I've been watching this last week. I have not put on one talking head show. I haven't put on NFL Network, ESPN, any of that. I've literally been getting by on MLB Network with all the Hall of Fame stuff and uh, the Australian Open. And uh, this weekend it was golf on TV. Golf. So I, I am detoxing from all of the, the talk. Cause I know what it's all about. That's the thing is I can't, I, I won't be able to stomach it. I don't even know you so, anymore. Golf and tennis. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what it's come to. This is, this is, this is what this football season has done to me. Oh my goodness. That's depressing. I mean, I haven't <laughs> watched any, uh, I haven't watched anything either, but that's because I'm, maybe this is more depressing. I'm I'm getting ready yes. for the big dance. I'm getting ready for March Madness. I'm watching all these college yeah. basketball games that I've taped to catch up with, with who's doing what. So that's my yeah, excuse. Yes. But I'm getting jacked. I'm getting all jacked up for the Winter Olympics. <laughs> going to be all over that slalom, are you? Yeah, I'm going to be watching all the curling. <laughs> oh gosh, all the all the ice hockey, all the. All this downhill skiing, you'll be all over yes. it. So, uh, in our in our typical tradition, like I said, I've got my standard, uh, somewhat standard categories here that I use, and I've had some that have come and, and gone over the years. And I've but I, I went by last year the formula that I lose formula that I lose uh, used last year. Yeah, to come up with my uh, MVP, least valuable player, MVP, LVP, or shits and drizzling shits. So I guess we start, we always start off right at the beginning uh, with MVP. I'm going to go super controversial here, a little outside the box for my most valuable player this year. Um, and I think this is going to be a little bit out of left field. It was, it was kind of an out of left field kind of year. I, I, I think we'd have to both agree with that. That there wasn't a whole lot of it was wide open. Um, I poured through the stats. I was I was going up and down. I had a few different players I was contemplating, you know. And I looked at all that. Of course, I looked at the obvious choices. And I never really have been one for the obvious choice unless the obvious choice truly deserved it. Um, you and I have a couple of times since we've been doing this had consensus MVPs. I believe we had Cam Newton was the obvious consensus MVP the year that. Uh, we gave it to him, and then we had Matt Ryan last year, who I think we were both just with the season that he had in its totality. It was very hard. Even the NFL agreed. <laughs> it was consensus MVP. I don't think there's a consensus MVP this year. Uh, you probably agree with me. I don't think there's any one that's just obvious. I think you're going to have your your sort of media darling. You know, everyone's going to love Tom Brady because Patriots are back in the Super Bowl, and yeah, who cares? Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you know, that whatever. Patriots, it's a one-trick pony team. That's fine. Nobody can beat that system and that formula. And whatever, I, I, I don't think it's good for football, but it's okay. Um, 
so I looked I looked at production. You know, I was looking at who was the most valuable and who was the most productive, you know, productive player for their team. And uh, going a little bit outside of the box here, very outside of the box at a position that nobody gives any love to anymore. I'm going to give my most valuable player. I got to get I got to get on the applause button here. Since I got the board here. Okay. Most valuable player, 2017, Todd Gurley. <laughs> Huge year. Helped turn around the L.A. Rams with the mad genius with McVay. Jared Goff turned him around and made him look like a good to serviceable NFL quarterback. And Todd Gurley, who looked like he was left for dead during the 2016 season, comes back and does this. 1,305 yards rushing for a 4.7 yards per attempt. Massive. And throws on top of that 64 receptions for another 788 yards and 19 total touchdowns. 13 on the ground, 6 in the air. Huge part, massive part of why the LA Rams turned around that franchise, won that division, made it to the playoffs, and the future looks bright. I don't think they do it without Todd Gurley. He is my most valuable player for 2017. I agree that it's, uh, uh, I guess, wide open or uh, a year that there is no consensus uh, for who you think is most valuable or who is the shit, which is what I call my most valuable player uh, category. I like the, I like Todd Gurley a lot. I like that pick. I, I respect the season that he had. It was a, a little bit out of nowhere because he wasn't he didn't show signs of being this dominant last season. But he really came about in, in that system. Uh, Sean McVay really got it going and and un, unlocked uh, Jared Goff and and also unlocked Todd Gurley. Uh, opened things up for him and, and it really worked hand in hand. Uh, and Gurley uh, showed some some real dominance this year at times. He was uh, he he looked like he was trying to get up there and contend with Le'Veon Bell and and the injured David Johnson for uh, best all around running back in the game. And I didn't think that he had that in him, but he he showed that he's got that type of production in him. And it was a very impressive season uh, by Todd Gurley. Very deserving. All right, uh, who's the shit? Who's the shit? Uh, that question has been asked many different ways and in many different uh, uh, fashions. I, uh, like I said, I agree that is, there is no consensus, but uh, I'm going to wind up really angering and disappointing you and a whole lot of other people. I don't want to go with the obvious, but I have to admit when it's right there in front of me. I looked at that Patriots team and how terrible that defense was, and I just wrote them off. I said they weren't going to win the Super Bowl before the season started, and I may be proven wrong there. Uh, but then when they started playing and they uh, blow the lead and lose that opening night game at home to the Chiefs by so many points and go on to look extremely unimpressive uh, the entire first ha- uh, first quarter of the season, and there was a lot of Patriots writing off and and Patriots are done and this this era is over. And one guy just kept doing what he does and kept playing at a a high level and kept that team afloat pretty much single-handedly. I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody out there. You might not want to admit it, 
Tom Brady was the shit. Man, this dude, I, that team is, they, they, they got no business being anywhere near the Super Bowl. They got no business. I'm sorry. They don't. But Tom Brady and his continued excellent play at the age of 40, I don't know how the hell he's doing it, but he's doing it. Uh, the man put up a 66.3% completion rating, 4,577 yards. Tom Brady, 40-year-old Tom Brady led the league in yards passing this season with 4,577, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and a 102.8 passer rating. Tom Brady, to me, was the shit. Tom Brady is the reason, maybe along with the officials, if you listen to certain people, that the Patriots are where they are, that they're back in the Super Bowl. And I don't know how it's going to all turn out. I don't know if it's going to result in another ring or not, but the fact that they're even here, the fact that through all the, the turmoil, through all the rumored uh, rifts and fighting and uh, health guru getting thrown out of the locker room and, and all the rifts between him and Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and all the rumors of all of that, Tom Brady just kept doing what Tom Brady does and resulting in, in a fabulous year and a, yet another AFC championship. And to me, Tom Brady was the shit. I had to cut the applause off. <laughs> you gave him half of the we applause. That's more, we, we don't have, more than I thought you were going to give him. We don't have the golf clap. But that's all right. <laughs> no, he had a great season. The numbers were there. I just, I didn't, I just did. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. There it is. The slow clap. I just didn't see it. I didn't see an MVP, but in a wide open year, he's going to win it. He, you know, he's got to. Um, I know there was a lot of push for Antonio Brown, who, if he had played out, I think, and made all the starts, might have gotten it. Carson Wentz was really playing towards that uh, before he got he hurt. Jail. It was even hard. He, 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 yeah. So it, it sort of took a lot of the top guys out of the consideration. Tom Brady becomes sort of the obvious choice. But I don't ever, like I said, I don't really go for the obvious guy unless it's obvious like really obvious. And I didn't find it. This was an, an obvious year for, for an MVP. So I looked and, you know, and I, I saw, I saw the numbers. So I, I went a different direction. So I, I do that sometimes. I remember the year I gave Tony Romo the MVP, but I made a great case for it, but <laughs> sorry, that would uh, then lead me to least valuable player. This is always a fun one. Uh, I've gone defensive metrics. I've gone, you know, often, I mean, we've had guys who've been complete ghosts on their teams, but uh, boy, this one really jumped out at me. I hate to stay at the running back position, which is a position that's so easy to pile on in terms of production. There was a guy who jumped off the page at me, made almost zero impact on his team, uh, a team that massively underachieved. I got to give it to Doug Martin from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got way more carries than he deserved uh, during a big chunk of the middle of the season when Tampa Bay was on a, just an extremely difficult losing streak finishes the season with a 2.9 yards per carry Uh, comes, comes, comes back after the four game suspension or was it injury. I don't know what it was. I think it was suspended comes back. He's got fresh legs, has his best output of the season in that first game. 
you know, 13 carries, 74 yards, almost six yards per attempt, then still manages to finish the season at 2.9 yards per attempt. <laughs> Has an eight carry for seven yards game against the Saints. That That's, that's just amazing. Uh, 19 carries for 38 yards against the Dolphins. 10 carries for 26 yards against the Lions. Six for seven against the Panthers. Three for minus three against the – these are just piling up. This is – you want to talk about a team a team in desperate need of a running game, taking the pressure off of Jameis Winston. I expected so much. I was so disappointed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. I got to give it to Doug Martin. They were waiting for the spark, and he gave them one, one game worth of spark and another 10 games of absolute garbage. Doug what Martin was my – Yeah. Your least valuable play was were those Doug Martin game valuable. numbers or were those uh or were those, those Barry were Sanders Martin. playoff numbers? Oh man. It 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 was that bad. There were a couple there were some others. Twenty for forty nine, which think about that. Twenty for forty nine, twenty for fifty one. They gave him the ball twenty times and he couldn't get over fifty yards. That's, that's terrible. That's just a so, bad, bad season. Yeah, that is just that right there at the running back <laughs> position on a team that just massively underachieved. So I'm giving my least valuable player to Doug Martin, who at 29 years old might be Brady Quinn done. Now he's done. We have to get that commercial, too. We have to get that sound drop somehow yeah. and uh, get down the board. Now I'm done. Uh that's a that's a very good choice. Uh, I have often, for my drizzling shits, also gone to the veteran that used to be productive and all of a sudden just died on the field and dropped off the, the face of the earth. Uh, you, you handled the veteran this year. I'll wind up going in a different direction for my drizzling shits because this team fought their ass off, played not nearly as bad as their record indicated, but they just kept finding a way to lose. Every single game, the Cleveland Browns wind up 0-16. They didn't play like an 0-16 team. Therefore, I'm giving the drizzling shits to the one player on that team that kept finding a way to fuck up and make sure that team lost every single game, and that would be the rookie quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser. God, this kid, this is, oh, he was so frustrating. He kept showing you some flashes that he had something there. And then by the end of the game, he would find some way, somehow he would find a way to fuck up and lose that game for the Cleveland Browns, whatever that game might be. Even the 300-yard game at the end of the year against the Steelers, they found a way to lose that game. Now you can blame that on the receiver, Corey Coleman, for dropping a fourth down pass that was right there in his hands. But the fact is, all those other games before that, and maybe even that game eventually, Deshaun Kaiser would have been the man to find a way to to have the key turnover or the key mistake and the and the fuck up that game. So the raw numbers for Deshaun Kaiser this year, 53.6% completion percentage, which is terrible in today's NFL. Uh, only 192.9 yards per game through the air. They gave him every game. They gave him from opening week to week six, uh, to week 17, they gave him the ball. They gave him the start uh, with, with, with the exception, of course, of the uh, 
the Kevin Hogan game, the game which uh, uh, Coach Hugh Jackson didn't want Deshaun Kaiser to, to get the start against uh, Deshaun Watson because he didn't want that obvious comparison being made out there. And then he put him right back in the next week. Uh, but 192.9 yards per game, 11 touchdowns to 22 interceptions. Uh, even those of you who are not math majors can do the math on that. Two picks for every touchdown thrown is absolutely atrocious. He threw in five rushing touchdowns for you to give you a little glimmer of hope, which is good until you realize he also lost six fumbles on the year. I don't want the five rushing touchdowns if you're going to turn it over six times trying to run the ball as well. It, it, it does not even out in my world. So Deshaun Kaiser for always constantly finding a way to lose a game and make sure that you go down in history as the, the, the head man, the man at the, at the head of the ship uh, of the second 0-16 team in the history of football, Deshaun Kaiser, you were the drizzling shits. Yeah, you know, I hate. I, I looked at that one. I just didn't want to pile on. I mean, he's a rookie. He was plus, he was put into a rough situation. He's jerked in and out of the starting lineup. I, I, I didn't think that he was the reason that they were losing games. Every game. I didn't think he was the reason they lost every game. I thought there were games that he played admirably. He played great in that first game against the Steelers. I thought he did everything that he could to beat the Packers uh, in their comeback in the game. That was the one game that the, the Browns should have won. Uh, they had the chance against the Steelers, against Landry Jones to end the season. Uh, I, I just didn't want to pile him on. He's a rookie, and he's in a shit organization. Yeah, but no, his numbers don't lie. Those are terrible, terrible numbers. So... I actually even managed to avoid giving him worst rookie of the year. So I have actually managed really? to not pile on Deshaun. Yeah, well, I, I found a doozy, I think, for, for worst rookie. I tend to <laughs> I tend to pick out some good ones. Although I jumped on Melvin Gordon real bad a couple of years ago, who's, by the way, the only worst rookie of the year, as long as we've ever been doing this, who's ever made anything of himself. Yeah, he turned it around big time. Yeah, we might as well just call it the Johnny Manziel Award. <laughs> Um, that moves me down the line. That moves me down the line to quote of the year, and this was a year that was full of drama and intrigue and quotes. And I kept going back uh, to September, and I and I hate to do it because I hate to bring these things into our show, but the quote of the year, I, apparently, it, for good or for bad, has to come from the president of the United States. Donald Trump. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now out. He's fired. He's fired. If that didn't set the tone for what happened for this whole season with the kneeling and the players and, and everything that was happening before the games. And it leads to another uh, award that I have for uh, later on in the show. Um, but you want to talk about just the, the tone setter, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. And there you had the president of the United States stepping in it as big as anybody possibly could um, becoming the most, probably the most polarizing moment politically. You had people involved who weren't any, it, you had no interest in being involved in the political realm and the players have said it themselves. 
They wanted nothing to do with it. Who suddenly felt thrust into it. And, and there you saw it. And then it became the players locking arms and holding the fist. And they were all doing it in, in response to that statement. Um, if any one quote encapsulates an entire season of football and sort of the, 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 the pall that sort of hung over the league for the whole year, that had to be the one. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. You talk about taking a, a situation that did not need your input at all and you, you put your input in it and it's just like everyone at, at the same time looks up and turns and goes, what is he saying? What is he doing? I still remember that weekend. Uh, this was, I believe, a Friday night speech that he was making in which he said this and Twitter blew up Saturday morning when word got around of it. And by Sunday, it was basically everyone knew that many teams in the NFL were going to have a unified response to what Donald Trump said. And that's what it turned into. It, it turned from a legitimate protest about the way people are treated in this country to a protest of Donald Trump's words and, and what he said. And Odell Beckham uh, lifting up his leg after a touchdown because, hey, I'm a son of a bitch. I'm going to act like a, a son of a bitch and, and act like a dog. Uh, the, the whole thing was just yet another example sort of of you know, Trump says something to put all the spotlight and all the all the heat on him instead of focusing on the real issues and, and people respond in kind. Um, but yeah, it definitely brought a lot of attention to the NFL that for, like you said, for good and for bad. Um, yeah, that was absolutely a, 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 a quote that made headlines pretty much everywhere for a, a lot of different reasons. And uh, Mike Pence, you know, follow suit by going to a game and turning his back and going home after the, the Colts are protesting. Uh, it, the whole thing just became a, a political football, so to speak, that everyone got to play with for a little while. And uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely not a, a, a one of the NFL's brightest moments. No, you know, and, and it started off as a season of, of, of the protest, uh, you know, with a focus, and then it just became a protest of Trump. And I don't know, you know, every time he does something silly and stupid, which is all the time, you always have to, I always look at it from the standpoint, you know, just watching it. And I'm going, is he that dumb or is he smart? You know, because changing the narrative and making it about him took away from what it was supposed to be about and, and then just polarized everybody, you know, and it was just like, I just, it was just blowing me away. Like, okay, you're either really, really dumb or you're really smart. <laughs> and I can never figure it out because no, nobody can walk the line between being both simultaneously and, and just sort of walk between the raindrops than uh, our president. It makes no sense. I, I didn't get it. it. It was unnecessary. It was over the top. Hey, am I back? Okay, are you there? I'm here. Are you here? That was very strange. Oh, you got booted too. I thought it was just me. Oh, so we both got kicked off. Oh, we were talking about Trump and someone was listening. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Right in the middle of talking about that 
dumb fucked in office right now, we get kicked off the air. That's amazing. Well, you know, we best move on then. I, I guess so. All right. All right. That moves me on to best play of the year. I think this is pretty obvious because we have no, you know, regular season. We, we just say the best play of the year. There's only one play that happened this year. And that would be the Stephon Diggs 64-yard touchdown catch to beat the New Orleans Saints at the end of the divisional round playoff game. That's it. That's the list. Move on. Everything else that I was considering when that play happened, a moment of just stunned disbelief. Like I just saw that happen and I, my brain was having trouble processing what I was witnessing. Plus the fact that the, the moment was filled with so many fun things. We spent a half an hour talking about it. How, that's how good the moment was. I mean, the head, the helmet toss, the, 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 the genuflecting on the sideline in front of the fans for the media and everyone to take pictures, everything about that was perfection. I'm giving it to the Stefan Diggs touchdown. That's it. That's all you need to know. One of the best plays you're ever going to see. So that, and I think that one was easy. Um, worst play of the year. I'm going to do the old LeBron James for the worst play of the year. Not one, no. not two, not three. I'm going to give you five worst plays of the year. Thanks to the wonderful right arm of one Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Because, number one, your coach was trying to take the season. He started you for no reason. And you threw five interceptions in the first half of a football game. And four out of the five of them were not tipped. They were literally thrown right to the Kansas City defenders. I believe that was the Chiefs. Um, what a hideously awful football game. And every single one of those plays was worst play of the year material. So we get a five-fer. We don't get a two-fer. We get five <laughs> worst plays of the year. Nathan Peterman, thank you. Yes, thank you very much for just the most awful display of football you could possibly hope for. I, I do not understand. I never, ever will understand the decision that Sean McDermott did to, to start Nathan Peterman. I had an award for him, and, and I just simply called it the seemed like a bad idea at the time award. Because <laughs> some things that, that go wrong, you go, well, that seemed like a good idea. No, that was a bad idea when he announced it. That was a bad idea when he gave his rationale for it, that he thought Nathan Peterman gave him the best chance of that. Really? You thought Nathan Peterman gave you the best chance of winning a football game? I, I did not think that he was going to come out and do that, throw five interceptions in the first half, but – that was just – there was nothing good about that decision. It was clearly meant for one thing and one thing only, to try to tank the Buffalo Bills season, and it went so horribly wrong. And, and the Bills still made the playoffs, which shows how – they're, they're bad at tanking. They're bad at everything. They're just – that whole thing was just bad. That whole Buffalo thing was just bad. The Buffalo Bills even fucked up tanking. Yeah. Yeah, and they have an award. They have an award for that too later on. Yeah, and they and they gave us what I strongly considered, but did not end up giving worst game of the year, which would have been that wild card game <laughs> against the Jaguars, which ironically, as we pointed out, ends with a Nathan, Nathan Peterman, Peterman interception. Yeah, um, 
I do best rookie. I think that's a little different. Best rookie to me isn't rookie of the year. I was, I mean, my God, you go up and down the draft board this year. You even start to get into the third round, and there are guys just jumping off the page. This draft might go, I mean, just looking at it from the production that you were getting out of players in this draft at in every round for those first, like, four rounds was ridiculous where you were just getting guys. There were a lot of guys who I could have said were the best rookie of the year. But in a sh- in stunning upset, I am giving my best rookie of the year to the guy when he got hurt, made football a lot less fun to watch. And I have mm-hmm. to give all credit to Deshaun Watson for when he was on the field was the most electrifying player. Not just one of the most electrifying players in football, but the most electrifying rookie player in football. And when he got hurt, and I said it on the show, football just got a lot less fun. He was amazingly fun to watch. Loved his style of play. He took a Texans team that was that looked dead before he, you know, <laughs> didn't take long for them to realize he was the guy. He was a half, but they looked dead. And then after he was hurt, they looked dead again. And for those moments, you had hope. You know, you had hope, especially about those Texans and, and that Super Bowl prediction. And they had that game with New England. They had that game with Seattle. I mean, he was making plays, breaking containment, chucking the ball deep, and and so much fun to watch. I am giving my best rookie to Deshaun Watson, who won't get any love. He won't get any love in the voting. But to me, wasn't my own, was my favorite rookie to watch. And uh, I would have loved to have seen the Texans sneak into the playoffs with him at the helm. Yeah, me too. The uh, Texans and the Seahawks, of course, were my Super Bowl pick uh, in the preseason. And so when looking at my uh, Heartbreaker Award, my Carrie Krieger Memorial Heartbreak Award, uh, named after the woman who broke my heart many, many years ago, I think it's been 12 years now or even more than that, and you would think it would go to the team that I picked to win the Super Bowl, the Seahawks, because they just barely missed the playoffs. And it looks like the end of an era, the Legion of Boom turning into the Legion of Room and sort of crumbling before our eyes. But no, my Gary Creeker Memorial Heartbreak Award went to the Houston Texans for a lot of the same reasons that you were just talking about, because they had such hopelessness after they lose uh, their two most, maybe most feared defenders in the same in the same game in JJ Watt and Whitley Mer- Whitney Merciless, they lose them both for the season. And you're thinking, well, this that's it. The Texans are done. And Deshaun Watson just decides to blossom and develop into this incredible playmaking quarterback. And everyone gets a, a boost of confidence on the team from that. The coaching staff gets a boost of confidence. They call plays that they wouldn't call with Tom Savage under center. They just look like a whole new team for that three or four week stretch that Deshaun Watson had as just the most electric dynamic force on the field and winds up going down in practice. We talking about practice, man, not a game. We talk about practice goes down for the season to an injury that he suffered in practice. And it's just like the, the flame got snuffed out. Like you said, they had such hope 
and, and such uh, high thoughts of rebounding and, and making a, a, a run in the playoffs and scaring a whole lot of teams. Uh, and it all just went out the window with Deshaun Watson going down. So, yeah, he will he will not get a lot of love for uh, any kind of year-end awards, but he had just a, a, a month where he was like the, the big glowing, shining light of the NFL and, and made everything look so bright for the Texans and just got stuffed out just like that. So that's my heartbreaker team, and, and I can't argue with uh, voting him as the best rookie because – there is an argument that of all the rookies, he looked like the best bet to, to have a, a long and successful career. Yeah, and I don't want to take anything away from this list of, my God, just going down the draft, Fournette, McCaffrey, uh, Lattimore, <laughs> you know, jeez, Evan Ingram. You just looked at all these guys and the, the production. And, and this is why I, I noticed this when I was looking for my worst rookie, which I'll segue into, that boy, I just kept going down the draft and going down the draft. I was like, I can't find guys who did not produce or guys who got hurt. You had like Dalvin Cook, you know, you, yeah. you get into the second round, you know, Joe Mixon. I mean, you, I'd say Deshaun Kaiser, you know, second round pick, but he was, he was bad. You know, end of the second round, you've got uh, Juju, Alvin Kamara in the third third round Cooper cup. I mean, you just keep going down. You just keep finding names of guys and all these guys would all be contenders for that production to come from that position. Right. And, and it was just, it was so hard, but at the name that kept jumping out at me and the name that jumped out at me all year, I knew who this award was going to while I was watching it happening because nobody was electrifying is what Deshaun Watson was doing. So I'm hoping he comes back and comes back strong next year because I, I want to see more of that style of play and what he was doing and, 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 and lighten things up and, and just having fun out there. And that it made football very fun to watch. So I, I definitely hope he comes back. Worst rookie of the year. Boy, I, I, I hate to say it, but I, there's a team that I, I, you know, talked about someone that I've picked on before from a team. So I'm hoping that by picking on another player from the same team, maybe he can turn things around the same way that Melvin Gordon did. Mike Williams. Oh my God. The ghost. You you want to talk <laughs> about some horrible production. Now, I know he was in an overcrowded position, at wide receiver there for the San Diego Chargers, but you were drafted seventh overall seventh I know you got a late start to the season that's fine here's what you did Mike Williams you played in 10 games you had 11 catches for 95 yards zero touchdowns zero impact that is horrible that Melvin Gordon blows him away in comparison when (laughs) I gave him worst rookie of the year you draft a guy seventh overall, you get out on the field 10 times in the season, and you can come up with 1.1 catches per game for under 10 yards. That's worst rookie of the year. I'm sorry. That's bad. No, no that, that's, that's, a good, uh, that's a good selection. He definitely did not have an impact for the, uh, for the San Diego Clippers. And they, they could have used the impact as they fell just short of the playoffs. If they had that one more playmaker to sort of blow the top off, then uh, they absolutely could have uh, made uh, even more of an impact. So, 
maybe next year. So last year we introduced the rookie steal of the draft. It was a couple years ago. It might have been last year. Uh, I think a couple shows, a couple years ago, we talked about it because we were looking down the draft board and we were finding guys. So last year I officially introduced it. This year I I, I went deep down the draft board. And uh, I'm going to give some kicker love here. I hate to say it. But, uh, you know, we don't we don't give them a lot of love, even especially considering that the guy who is the rookie steal of the draft got cut by the team who drafted him (laughs) or signed off the practice squad. Same thing. Uh, Carolina Panthers, seventh round, 233rd pick. Selected Harrison Butker. I don't know if you're familiar with what Harrison Butker did this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not the Carolina Panthers, by the way. Harrison Butker, 38 of 42 field goals. 90, almost 91% field goals. Perfect on extra points. 142 total points for the season. That is a steal. I know a lot of kickers don't get drafted. But for Christ's sake, if you're going to draft the guy, don't put him on your practice squad. Let the other team sign him away and end up with one of the most accurate kickers of the season. Harrison Butker is my rookie steal of the draft. Yeah, you know, when you draft a kicker in the second round, that's the kind of production you're expecting. That's what you want. (laughs) Yes! When you take a stretch like that and go draft a kicker, not just draft him, but draft him as high as the second fucking round, are you listening, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? That's the production that you would be looking for, not what Roberto Aguayo gave you. So, good pick. Thank you. Um, The story of the year. You know, and and this is where I had a lot of things sort of tied together that we could have done for story of the year, quote of the year. You know, I could have easily taken what we did for quote of the year with the Trump thing and that sort of narrative and put that into story of the year for this sort of overriding thing, the way it tied into the, the anthem protests and everybody trying to scramble around and finish, well, what's wrong with the ratings decline in the NFL and all those things. No, I, I poured all that and, and threw it all and threw it away. There's only one story this year. You know it is and I know what it is. What is a catch? The fuck is a catch? What is a catch? I have already said on air, on the record, what is a catch is done more damage to football than any of this other stuff. Watch the game and know what they're watching anymore. And how many examples do we have to cite of what is a catch? I mean, we, we have it. We have the the Jesse James play. We have the your your, your favorite, the Zach Miller play. We have the uh, the back of the end zone plays for uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, and it, it just keeps going and going and going and rearing its ugly head. We had two examples of it at the end of the Atlanta Philadelphia game in the playoffs with Sanu and uh, Julio Jones. What is a catch? We don't know anymore. The officials don't know. The announcers don't know. The fans don't know that idiot in uh, New York doing the replays. He doesn't know. Nobody knows what a catch is anymore. If they don't figure this out, we might all end up watching the XFL again. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. 
Yeah, that's who I, else agrees with you is Vince McMahon. He doesn't know what a catch is either. He had to start a whole football league again trying to figure out what a catch is. You're telling me? You know, and I hate to say it, but, you know, Vince McMahon's not a stupid guy. He smells some blood in the water here. And, you know, and everybody's like, oh, but the NFL, it's not that. No, a shark doesn't need to smell a lot of blood. It just needs to, to sense the wound, you know, just a little bit because they can sense it from so far away. And, and Vince sees a chink in the armor. And he's got that, I'm going to do it right this time. And I have a feeling they're going to end up with, their appeal is going to be a simplified rule book and all this other stuff. And I think he's watching the state of football right now. And no, nothing more is making football look silly than this over-officiated, over-litigious, and the what is a catch. Oh, my God. That's the story of the year for me. I think that has done more damage to the brand of football and for us as fans. I mean, how many times have we talked about it on this show? Like, it's just, I can't watch. It's sometimes you just feel like you can't watch because you don't know what it is anymore. And it's affecting the outcomes of games and picks and, and everything that, you know, that we love about the game when you're watching it being ruined. So, yeah, that's the story of the year to me. I know there were bigger ones and more overriding ones and political ones and all that stuff, but what's a catch? What is it? I need to know. I obviously agree because in the after show, I'm going to have about two or three awards pertaining to uh, basically what is a catch and what's going on with some of these uh, some of these calls that we saw throughout the year. Yeah, well, uh, I know we, 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 just a lot of this is going to spill over into the after show, which is fine. We do this every year. So if everybody was hanging on, trying to think they were going to get all the awards, and the, forget it, not going to get them all in the first down. Um, we're going to move on to the Houston Texans. Yeah, we're going to move on to the Houston Texans Memorial Team. Oh, not anymore. Uh, 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 it's where's the, the record scratch sound? Garoppolo team. <laughs> And who better to get the first Jimmy Garoppolo team than Jimmy Garoppolo's team? Anybody who doesn't know, we have the Houston Texans. We used to have the Houston Texans Memorial preseason cheek pick to make the playoffs the next season team, which is always that team that has that sort of meteoric finish to the season. And everyone's going to be talking about them all off season as that pick that everyone thinks they're the genius in the room and they're going to pick to make the playoffs the next year based on that small sample size at the end of a season, based on what Jimmy Garoppolo did going five and zero. We said if he went five and zero, we would rename the award because <laughs> the the hype machine would be kicked into overdrive and into the stratosphere. That sad part is we're both on board with this somewhat because we're both believers now. Uh, you know, in, in, in Jimmy Garoppolo. So who better to get the first official Jimmy Garoppolo team award? The Jimmy Garoppolo's team, the San Francisco 49ers. Everyone will have them penciled in next year to make the playoffs. You just watch. I mean, I'm kind of on board with him. I, I give him his props. He was impressive, uh, those those games that they stuck him in as a starter. I, I don't know if I'm picking the 49 To be on board with Jimmy Garoppolo fully, I'd have to be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely picking the 49ers to make the playoffs next year, which I don't know if I'm doing that. I might, but I might not. I don't know. But uh, the, 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 the preseason hype award has to be named after Jimmy Garoppolo because what's coming, if you don't know – you will find out what's going to be coming in the next seven or eight months 
leading up to training camp and, and when football comes back next year is, oh, my God, all the stories and all the hype about Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers and how great they're going to be. And the revival occurred and the Niners are back, baby, and Joe Montana is going to be out and, and giving interviews and talking about how great this franchise is. Everything is going to be funneled Boy, howdy. making the 40. Him and Ronnie Lott, everybody's going to be out there. They're going to bring out all the old 49ers. Mike Singletary will be out there with a shitty piece of toilet paper, waving it around and showing everybody what he thinks of, of everybody. Vernon Davis will be out there. Everybody's going to be out there hyping up the 49ers because it's just going to be nauseating this, this offseason. So that's why they get the uh, the award named after them as the chic pick uh, to make the playoffs next year. Yeah, I actually wrote the Jimmy Garoppolo team, dash, and then I literally wrote, duh, the Niners. I actually wrote that in my notes. <laughs> duh. duh. I wrote it to myself <laughs> as a note. Um, <laughs> happened this year, it feels like so long ago. So it actually happened this season, but it feels like it happened forever ago. I have to give this award to Sam Bradford and Delvin Cook. Who? For making, yeah, for making the Minnesota Vikings look nigh unbeatable. For the, that brief moment, those two were both together on the field dismantling the uh, New Orleans Saints in that opening game. And boy, the Vikings were back. I mean, and the Vikings, my before the season started to make the playoffs, they looked unbeatable. They ended up making a nice run with Case Keenum, and that became a great story into itself, which actually managed to escape from my awards. But, you know, it had a lot. It finished second in a lot of things. But that was a great season that they still ended up putting together. But, man, yeah, you, yeah, this season, this season, Sam Bradford was taking meaningful snaps for the Minnesota Vikings. Who the hell are those guys? I don't. That was so long ago. I don't know who who you're talking about. I don't know who those guys are. Uh, move on to the the Kim Etheridge Public Relations Award. One of our favorites. Oh man, this could go a lot of different ways. Yes. Well, I'm sorry, Kim Etheridge. Every we, 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 one, the first female in the NFL uh, in the IMLD Hall of Infamy um, yeah. was Terrell Owens' PR agent. Stood in his driveway after a maybe. It wasn't in the driveway, but it was almost that bad. That was Boris, right? <laughs> was that Boris in the driveway with him doing the – Was it Drew Rosenhaus? Rosenhaus. Uh, Drew uh, Rosenhaus uh, in the driveway. Kim Etheridge was the, the PR person who basically famously came out and said that Terrell Owens has 20 million reasons not to kill himself. Well, apparently someone got the memo two days ago and decided to pull up right out, rip right out of the Kim Etheridge – PR stunt notebook. So that brings me to a wonderful gentleman by the name of Paul Patterson. Paul Patterson, lawyer for Baltimore Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who was accused of uh, of uh, shoplifting a phone charger, comes right out and says, "Quote: Marlon has 11 million reasons not to steal a phone charger." <laughs> Oh my God! So, so not only did you not learn from the first one with with Kim Etheridge and Terrell Owens, you pulled it literally, you ripped the page right out of the playbook. When you pull the stunt, you have to get the award. The award was named for doing something that stupid, and then you <laughs> go and you do this. Crime. Thing. He's got too much money. Literally two days ago, 
Just because nice. you make a lot of money does not mean that you don't do stupid things or that you can't be depressed or that you can't try to kill yourself or that you're not a kleptomaniac or that you don't abuse women. Come on. It has nothing to do. It's not tied. Your success and how much money you make is not tied to your douchebaggery. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Paul Patterson definitely moves right up there, right next to Kim. Nine million less reasons, though. See, so, Marlon, you're not <laughs> off the hook yet because you only got well, 11 million reasons. Terrell Owen had 20. So, you haven't ascended into that realm yet, buddy. Not nearly as big of a star as Terrell Owens. I mean, you know, there's only so much he can do. Oh, uh, how do you pull that? St- Come on, learn from history, people. We don't learn from history. I think if, if, there's, if there's anything that we know about us as a society is we don't learn from history. One thing that we have we highlight on this show all the time, we never forget. You and I, we always remember. We're like Pepperidge Farm around here. We always remember. Well, that's the point of the uh, Hall of Infamy, uh, and that's the point of the Honors and Dishonors, is we like to, to, to highlight the things and the people that would go unnoticed or, or forgotten by history, but we want to be the ones to make sure that everybody remembers and, and gets acknowledged that deserves it, that they, they've done things that need to be brought up and, and need to be highlighted. Uh, we're, we're there for that. That's what we do. We, there's a niche that needs to be filled, uh, filling in the cracks. The people that would fall through the cracks, we're going to make sure you don't fall through. We're going to make sure that you do get remembered for the things that you do. Whether you want us to remember them or not, we're going to remember them. Yeah, and they're not all bad. We have positive awards, but we also have some of these awards that shine a light on the things that need light shown upon them. Uh, I've got three left, and then I'll turn the floor over to you here. Uh, move into the after show here in a moment. Game of the year. This one was tricky. I thought long and hard, but again, game of the year, I went for fun. And there was no game that was more fun to watch. We see the same freaking team almost every year give us the most fun game of the year. And the game of the year this year, we had it's the uh, aforementioned Texans Seahawks back on October 29th when Deshaun Watson was at his peak, brought out the best in Russell Wilson, and it was literally a heavyweight fight between those two, culminating with a 41-38 Seahawks win. And every time you thought that one team had delivered the kill shot to the other, Somebody else came back and made another play, and it just kept going back and forth all the way up and down. There was anybody who could get yourself a hand on that tape of that game, go on YouTube, do whatever you can, watch the highlights. That game, October 29th, 2017, Texans, Seahawks, best game of the year. And we, and see the Seahawks into... in, we see the Seahawks in the best game of the year, like, almost every year. Yeah. And that played into what you were talking about earlier with how great everyone was feeling about the Houston Texans because of how great Deshaun Watson was playing. Everyone was talking about that game the next day, the next week after it was over. Like, okay, this is maybe the future. This is Deshaun Watson versus Russell Wilson blow for blow back and forth. And this is awesome. The way these two are going at it, they might be on top of the league the next decade or so. We might be seeing the future. We keep wondering which quarterbacks are going to take over after these old guys, Brady and and 
Eli and, and Breeze and Roethlisberger, when they shut it down, who's left to take over for him? We thought maybe that was the future right there uh, in, in Watson and Wilson. And it still may be, but just once again, uh, showing how depressing it was when Watson uh, would get hurt shortly after that. Of course. And, you know, and then they had the game, and the, the game that was another one was the one they had against the Patriots. I mean, we had some good games this year. And you're going to get all these idiots in the media. Oh, game of the year had to be that game between the Steelers and the Patriots. No, that game was <laughs> bullshit. That game was bullshit compared to what we got from just a fun factor of two teams going at it and two guys who were refusing to let their team lose. And you saw Deshaun Watson at his peak during his rookie campaign, and he brought out the best in Russell Wilson. Who You just say what you will about Russell Wilson. You, you put his back to the wall, you get performances like that. I think he went for four-fifth. It was just bombs away. And you saw two guys who play very similar styles. And, 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 you know, trying to escape the pocket, but always with that eye down the field for the long bomb and that kill shot. And we saw it going back and forth, up and down, just an amazing game to watch. So that was my game of the year. Uh, Absolutely well-deserved. Worst game of the year, a game that we referenced on this show. One of those games that just makes you ill. One of those Mm -hmm. games that makes you wish that you weren't a fan of football. I have to go to a game that features more headshots than an 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and threw in a snapped spine just for good measure. I'm going back to week 13, Steelers-Bengals. Hey, hey! Which just might be one of those moments. And Steelers and Bengals are good for those. We, we, we love having that sick pit in our stomach feeling after we're watching Juju Schmidt-Schuster with the uh, the crackback blindside block, whether it's karma or not, on Vontez. I didn't know who it was. Bullshit. Then you have Antonio <laughs> Brown get decapitated in the end zone. You have Ryan Shazier on what looked like a seemingly like sort of an almost like an innocuous play, busts his spine. Yeah. Um and, and you have uh, Joe Mixon left the game with a concussion, but those two teams, they hate each other. And for that evening, they made me hate being a fan of football. Thanks guys. Yeah, they're good for that too. Just like the Seahawks are good for games of the year. Every couple of years, the Steelers are good for uh, Steelers and Bengals are good for games that make you want to throw up every couple of years too. Yeah, that was, it was, it was, it was awful to watch. Uh, it, was an, it was another one of those games that even just from a purely X's and O's standpoint should have been more writing on the wall for the Steelers who were completely outplayed by the horrible Bengals in that game and had to climb out of a hole to come back. And it was all right there for the Steelers this year. Um, how, you know, how they, I read an article, it was a very interesting one about them, how they went out of their way to build that team to beat the Patriots, but in doing so forgot about beating everybody else. Oops. You know, so they were clearly only going after one team and it made them susceptible to the, the, the more smash mouth type teams, like with the Jaguars and the bears the bears ran for 200 <laughs> yards on that, you know, but it, it, it opened up a, a, a weak spot in that team. And, uh, you know, I was, it was very hard for me not to give, you know, Mike Tomlin any shit and give him quote of the year for the the crap that he said about how they're going to play the Patriots twice, you know, and all that. So it, it took a lot, you know, there were a lot of worthy contenders for things this year, 
for the awards, but we only get to give one out, uh, which leads me to our newest category, Antonio Brown's Grammy. Which huh? is the the worst acting of the year. Last oh. year we gave it to Dan Carpenter, got the very first one, if you remember that, the kick. Oh, yeah. When he blew his knee out. <laughs> um, and then got back up to another 50-yard field goal, even though he was laying on the ground, holding his knee like he literally just blew his leg out. And then just after, oh, wait, everything's okay. Oh, I'm just going to promptly get back up and bang a 50-yard field goal. <laughs> Uh, we didn't talk about it on the show, but I've been kind of holding on to this one for a while. This year, the the Grammy for the worst <laughs> acting goes to the NFL and all of its media partners for the nauseating Veterans Day salute to service campaign. Mm. It was so over the top. They were so trying to overcome all of the negative stuff from the taking the knee and all the Trump stuff. I mean, we had mm-hmm. the, the idiot Fox guys, you know, we like Bradshaw and all those guys on an aircraft carrier doing their show. And, and, and you know, all the all the commercials, all the guys on the sideline wearing all their camo stuff. And it, it was so blatantly over the top and phony. I was having a hard, I mean, I'm literally, I'm watching, I mean, we never talked about it on the show, but I'm, I'm at work and I'm watching this and I'm putting this away for a rainy day because we're making the comments. I'm like, this is, this is a little silly, right? I mean, I'm sitting there with all the people I work with. I'm like, this, you see this too, right? And this isn't patriotism. This is faux patriotism. This is so done and so far over the top, especially at a moment when, you know, you, you've got all the other underlying things going on that they put on such a spectacle. I have to give the Grammy for the worst acting to the whole league and all of its media affiliates for that entire debacle. No, they deserve that. You're right. We didn't talk about it. There's nothing really to talk about because, as we've seen over the years, once the NFL gets behind a cause that it's obviously being compensated to get behind – they put their full weight behind it and all the reports that came out over the years, over the last couple of years about how much the military pays the NFL in endorsements in order to make everything seem like it's, it's such a uh, USA militarized uh, exercise in how much we love the, the armed forces and all. Of course, the NFL wouldn't give a fuck about the armed forces. It wouldn't love them if it wasn't for all the compensation that the military, that the military was giving the NFL and they absolutely did go over the top on Veterans Day, and it absolutely was because of, of the kneeling and the protest uh, that uh, really stupid people took as being against the military, which, of course, it never, ever, ever had anything to do with the military. But, yeah, it was definitely a response to all of that. Uh, it, yeah, it, it was it was, it was was bad. I, I, we probably would have talked about it if I would have watched it with you. Of course, I have sworn off pregame shows and, and all of that uh, just because they don't do anything for my life. But if I were, if I if I would have seen a lot of that stuff, no, I, I didn't even remember. Or, uh, I don't remember reading about it at the time that uh, Fox did their pregame show off a. Of, of, what did they do it off of? Off, of, off an of aircraft show. carrier. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No um, fucking joke. What? What? The, what's the point? Why? Why? Okay. Yeah, well-deserved. Uh, we, we definitely spotlight the things that need to be spotlighted, and the NFL's uh, uh, 
obvious over the top, like you said, uh, faux patriotism definitely needs to be spotlighted because that shit is just embarrassing. Yeah, there are so many other things that we could have given it to. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we could have given the award to Cam Newton for the eye injury. Uh, we, you know, <laughs> there was so there's all that little on the field nuance stuff. You know, we gave it to a kicker who pretended like the first year was so obvious, pretended like he was you know never going to walk again, and then just promptly gets right back up and bangs a field goal with the same leg. It, it, but this year, though, no, that one that, that that was all so deserving, and we could always claim that the NFL is fake. Like they pretend to care about head injuries. They pretend to care. But no, yes. this was a production. It was, it was, it wasn't nuanced at all. It was a hammer that they were hitting you over the head with about, look how much we love the military. and We love America. And they're literally like jerking off in your face with all you the patriotism. Say. You yeah. were saying, you were saying. Yeah. So, they always do. They always kick it into overdrive a little bit for Veterans Day, but this year they had to compensate so mm. much. The overcompensation factor was like through the roof, and it was completely sickening. And I was, just, I, I had no choice to watch, but to watch it because you know, it, it, I mean, you know, it's on at my work, and you just put as soon as you as soon as you you get there, you put the channel on that you know the game is going to be on, so you don't have to flip around or you miss the start of the game, and everybody's happy. So I just flipped it right over to Fox and sat through that whole thing and, and during the game and all the commercials during the games. And it was just like, Oh, it was, it was really bad. And, uh, they, they, and I, and I saved that for a rainy day because they had to get called out for it. And that's the perfect award for it. I am so glad I missed all of that. I'm going to make sure that Antonio Brown gets the Grammy award from Pac-Man Jones and (laughs) they send it right over they send it right. And yes, folks, we know that Grammys are not for acting. It's a joke. You have to be deep into the post-game comments after games That's to know what that refers to. <laughs> Which goes back to another game that left us sick to our stomach, yeah. right? Well, there it you go, Bengals. folks. Do, do your research. Google it. Pac-Man Jones, Antonio <laughs> Brown, Grammy. Google yeah. it. You'll understand the joke. You'll laugh your ass off, and now you're in on it with the rest of us. So, I'm done. I'm done. Another oh. successful, another successful award show uh, gives you some chance to go on and, and and give out your awards, and for for me to expand on them a little bit. Things that maybe we've forgotten, or you know, that you'd like to highlight in in your tongue and cheek sort of way. So, you have the floor, sir. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, very good. Awards out of you, a lot of things that uh, would be forgotten, if not for us bringing it up, and hopefully I can fill in some of the uh, the cracks as well. Uh, I'll start with my traditional yearly awards, and then I'll move to my more tongue-in-cheek ones uh, after that. I like to split up my coach awards between Super Bowl champion coaches and non-Super Bowl champion coaches, simply because I think there should be a higher standard for if you if you win a ring, then clearly you know, you know what you're doing and you should be held to a little bit of a higher standard. So out of all the, the coaches that have won a title, and there's six of them that are still coaching, the best coach uh, of the Super Bowl champion division, and I didn't think he had a chance in hell of doing it, but uh, here they are in the Super Bowl again, so I'm going to give it to Bill Belichick. I did not think that team had any chance, it, it, I've said it all throughout the year, uh, of being in goat. this spot. He's the GOAT. He I will honestly, I will honestly say – People think I hate the Patriots. 
Check the tape. I just don't think Tom Brady is the GOAT, but Bill Belichick is the GOAT. He deserves it. It's an unbelievable season that they put together. They they righted the ship. They didn't panic when the defense came out playing as terribly as they did. Uh, and, and Matt Patricia somehow figured out a way to to get them to be bad enough, but but not so bad that they lose games for them. The defense actually uh, did not lose games after the the first half of the year. The the offense kept everything afloat, and, and they they tied up enough loose ends to to make it to the Super Bowl. I I don't I don't know how the hell they did it. It's smoke and mirrors, but for for. Two decades of smoke and mirrors now. Bill Belichick uh, is the best coach this year, Super Bowl champ division, and obviously the best coach uh, of all time. And it's, he's making it to where it's not even close. If he wins another title with this team, with the, with this, the way this defense has been playing, oh my God, how how can you possibly win a title with that team? But but he's he's on the verge of doing it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The best coach. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say a uh, bit of a mild upset. I half expected you to give it to Sean Payton who you've been harsh on yeah. on this show in the past. So that tells you how good of a season that they had from a coaching standpoint for Belichick to hold that all together. And I'm on board. You know, people are like, oh, you hate the Patriots. You're just nothing but a hater. No. I have nothing but respect for what Bill Belichick and that coaching staff has done. Because if you look at this run that they've had over the last, God, 17, 18 years now, they've done it with, different teams. They've done it with defensive-minded teams. They've done it with offensive teams. The ultimate irony in all this is the best overall team that they had in this whole run didn't win the Super Bowl. And as we talked about, they did all they had to do to win the Super Bowl. Tom Brady threw the game-winning Super Bowl touchdown pass to Randy Moss to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. They still lost. just happened to fuck it away, but... That would probably that would have been it. I mean, if they had gone and they had been the, and they had been perfect and they had done that, I mean, that would just kick this whole thing. You know about Jimmy Garoppolo? This would be, oh man, this would all be through the moon overdrive. Uh, but who knows how it plays out after that? You know, how do we know that that you know the Tom Brady who uses everything, you know, all the chip on his shoulder, uses that to fuel him as well? So. No, absolutely deserving award. I am. I'm, I mean, I, I tell people. Anybody who wants to hear that someday it won't be the Vince Lombardi trophy anymore, it will be the Bill Belichick trophy. Yeah, I was thinking about a couple of days ago. I think by a very small margin, I'm ready to declare that Patriots team that lost the Super Bowl to the Giants, uh, that was 16-0, and I think I'm ready to declare them the best football team I've ever seen, even though they didn't win the title. Even better than wow. the 85 Bears. I, I really think that was the best team I ever saw. Those guys were kicking everybody's ass. That was the team that was favored to beat the Dolphins by 20 and a half and beat them by 21. <laughs> That's right. And it, you get the feeling that if they were favored by 26 and a half, they would have beat them by 27 because they just did whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And uh, th- that whole thing about the ring defines everything. Sometimes it doesn't. And I, I really do think that that team was the best I ever saw. But a little sidebar there. So my best coach of the non-Super Bowl champion uh, division, there's a lot of choices out of these newcomers, out of these younger guys that got a shot. But the youngest of them all, the 12-year-old Sean McVay out in L.A., I'm giving him the best coach of the year of the non-Super Bowl champ divisions because uh, of what you mentioned, what he did to unleash Todd Gurley uh, and, and show 
how many different facets that he has. And of course, more famously, what he did to unlock Jared Goff and, and turn him into one of the most productive quarterbacks uh, in the football this year. After what he did, after what Goff did last year, last season under Jeff Fisher to show you that he was potentially one of the worst football players in the league and one of the worst number one overall picks of all time. All it took was a, a simple coaching change and a philosophy change and Sean McVay slides right in. And you're not saying that about Jerry Goff anymore. You're thinking, Oh, this kid actually has a future. He's a pro bowl quarterback. Uh, they, they got a lot to look forward to now in LA. So of all the, the coaches out there that haven't won a ring what a what an impressive job! What a, what a performance by the Rams coming back from what they had been under Jeff Fisher, and in one year turned completely around. My best coach in the non Super Bowl champ division is Sean McVay. Yeah, can't argue with that at all. Not even an upset at all. I think that's a no brainer. If I gave out an award for coach of the year, he probably would have been it too because of what he did turning around a dog shit franchise and turning an offense into the best in football with guys last year who we were laughing at worst rookie of the year last year. So I guess there's another mm-hmm. one, right? He hit worst rookie yeah. last year, Jared Goff, Jared Goff missing wide open guys in the end zone, like from five yards away. And this year he's <laughs> dropping dimes from 60 yards. I, I can't even imagine it's the same guy. So absolutely 100% agree with you. The worst coach of the of the uh, Super Bowl champion division, I think you're probably going to agree with this, would be ooh, the ooh, guy up ooh, there. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Your guy up there in 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 the climbs of Wisconsin, Mike McCarthy of the Green Bay Packers, who watched his uh, MVP Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers uh, get knocked the fuck out by uh, Anthony Barr and did not seem to have much of an answer for that. He sticks Brett Hundley in there, who clearly wasn't ready for the moment. Uh, He refuses to go out and find any kind of veteran quarterback to take over and and keep the Packers afloat until Rodgers could get back. And then once Rodgers gets back, uh, one bad game knocks them out of uh, the playoffs, and that was the end of that. There was no adjustments. There was no... Uh, any kind of uh, rallying done by Mike McCarthy to get the Packers to feel confident about the decisions that he was making to try to get them through the the, the weeks and months that they were going to be without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they just kind of floated along with, with Hundley and hoped that he would get decent enough to lead them to where they needed to be, which of course did not happen. So for ignoring all possible contingency plans, and just going with the kid that you got sitting there, whether he's ready or not, uh, I'm giving the worst coach of the Super Bowl champion division to Mike McCarthy. Yeah, totally deserved. That was an easy, that was no brainer. I would have been stunned if you didn't give it to anybody else. (laughs) And Mike McCarthy is now a man on an Island because everybody around him, the GM, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, all canned. He's standing there and, uh, I'm fully convinced he's going into a lame duck season. No new GM. All the deflector shields are gone. Yeah, no new GM wants to come in to a guy who's not his guy. Even if you hired him from within the organization, doesn't matter what you do. He wants to make his mark on the franchise, and you've got a lame duck coach with no support. That's it. Aaron Rodgers ain't getting fired. 
I think we're yeah. gonna. I think this my, you know, not. I don't think I'm going on a limb saying this is probably the end for Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. There's a, a lot of ways you can go for the worst coach non-Super Bowl champ division, but I'm going with the guy that's already been fired and deserved to be fired and was, as we talked about, was doing all that he could do to get fired during the season. I'm going with Ben McAdoo of the Giants. Dude, so easy. <laughs> you're you're going to decide that the way to turn around the ship is to bench the quarterback, the franchise quarterback who's got a, a starting streak going that's got him up there with the all-timers as far as Iron Man streaks, and you're just going to say, you know what, we're going to bench Eli Manning, and that's how we're going to jumpstart this team. And not only that, but we're going to bench him just so that we can get a better look at, oh, God, Geno Smith. What, what, the, what the fuck are you doing? What Are you trying to get fired? We wondered that out loud when he was doing that, and sure enough, very soon afterwards, he he, he indeed indeed get, did get himself fired. Yeah. So, just a total rudderless job of a team that we both had high hopes for. We both picked to to win the uh, NFC East and just started off fumbling and bumbling and stumbling all over themselves. Then Odell Beckham got hurt for the season, which really put a torpedo in them. And Ben McAdoo just stood there on the sideline and. and the whole year looked like he didn't have any idea what was happening. So yeah. for looking overmatched and overwhelmed in the moment and making really, really dumb decisions, Ben McAdoo, the worst coach of the non-Super Bowl champ division. Yeah. Amazingly over the, uh, over the, the, the protestations of a caller of ours who d- just wanted to tell us about awesome, how awesome Geno Smith was and that we were. Shout out to Star Child in Detroit. <laughs> Selling out way short on Geno Smith. We didn't know what we were right. talking about. We were a ship of fools. Geno Smith's the shit. It, no, it it's Geno no. Smith. It's Gino. We knew what we were getting. So sorry, Star Child. Geno Smith. Uh, yeah, Ben McAdoo had to be pretty awful to get that award, beating out a guy who literally was trying to tank. <laughs> you got to be pretty well, awful when you beat. Was it Doug Marone? Uh, up there in, in Buffalo, in Buffalo uh, Sean McDermott. Uh, Sean McDermott. Tell- uh, Doug Marone was the guy who left and went to Jacksonville. Sean right. McDermott literally trying to tank his season. Still doesn't Telling even everyone, win. Worst coach of the year. The man that told everyone that Nathan Peterman gave him the best chance to win. <laughs> at, at, least, <laughs> at least he didn't bench a, a potential Hall of Fame quarterback who had a start streak going. At least he didn't do that. Well, thank God he wasn't playing. Think he would have benched Cal Ripken, fucker. Hey, we we're, we're going in the wrong direction. We got to figure out what we got to do. You know <laughs> what? Needs, Cal, go, needs, go take a seat. Everybody needs a day off. We got to get a better look at Royce Clayton or something. Yeah, <laughs> he gives us the best chance to win. That's right. I really like what yeah. Royce Clayton does for my team. <laughs> the, the tradition that I've. Uh, started for name of the year has been to come up with a couple of different choices and, and sort of turn the decision over to somebody else. I remember Bryce, Bryce in Brooklyn a couple yeah. years ago called and we gave him the option and he, and he went with Austin Safarius Jenkins, as he called them uh, for name of the year. So I got a couple of choices for name of the year and, and you, you, you'll get the honors of deciding which one that you like better. All so right. For name of the year, I'm going with either the Rams, 
place kicker Sam Ficken, just because that's just a perfect name for uh, people can make all the puns about, oh, this Ficken guy, this, oh, he, he did what? He hooked a kick? This Ficken kicker, this, oh, my God, this Ficken, this guy's just driving me nuts. This, this Ficken guy, it's like, oh, he's just driving me crazy. So Sam Ficken with the perfect name for, for all the, the, the cursing puns you can come up with. Or uh, in the... Uh, tradition or uh, what's been happening this year with all the, the hits to the head and the concussions, uh, the Dallas Cowboys cornerback, Chidobe Awuzie, uh, because every time the Cowboys played on NBC and you, you had Al Michaels, I'd be in the kitchen making a sandwich or something, and I'd hear Al, Al Michaels talk about a, a hit being made by Awuzie, and I thought, oh, oh, woozy? What? Somebody else got knocked out? Did somebody get concussed? What happened? And I'm running into the room to see who got – no, he was just talking about the guy, a woozy, that made a hit. No, nobody was actually woozy on the field. He was just talking about the guy, uh, a woozy, for the Cowboys. But every time he said that guy's name, a woozy, I'm like, oh, somebody got hurt? Somebody got hit again? So he was sort of the perfect uh, concussion uh, reminder as the season went on uh, about the guy, a woozy, uh, in the league, making everybody a woozy. So – for name of the year, do you prefer the, the Ficken guy, Sam Ficken, or the concussion guy, Chidobe Awuzi? Uh, yeah, he didn't last long enough for me because he got cut right away uh, for Young Hoku. Yeah. <laughs> if he would have stayed around all year, I would have been really upset if he wasn't one of the ones to have your name be Young Ho in the <laughs> NFL. I'm sorry. You're telling me in an NFL locker room you got a dude named Young Ho that he's not getting – Oh, oh boy! Miami Hurricanes uh, would put the turnover change on him. He sounds like a rapper. I, I'm have to go with a woozy. Sam, that's just too yeah, not doing it for me. So okay, I'm gonna go with Shadobi Woozy. Oh boy! Hey, congratulations to a woozy. Yeah, be the only award he ever wins. Probably will be. In a league full of, you can't give it to the same guys every year. So, you know, these guys, Austin Safarius Jenkins is still playing NFL football. <laughs> right. And and so is uh, 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 my guy that the, the Titans cornerback, he's not with the Titans anymore, but his name sounded like a Dave Chappelle skit. I gave him the name of the year uh, a few years ago. <laughs> Bleedy Ray Wilson. I just love that name. Yeah. And, uh, oh, God. Was it uh okay Joe Bob Cooter or whoever it was? Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> Lions assistant coach. I don't. Yeah. Okay, you can't, how can you not love the name Jim Bob? Jim Cooter? Bob Cooter. <laughs> Thank God his name's not Harry. Boy, howdy. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Just classic. Come on. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I'll be here all the week. <laughs> My uh, the last award that I give give away every year is the the Heckle and Giant Award for the guy that was so inconsistent all year. I'm almost ready to retire this award in favor of Aaron Rodgers, who, don't get me wrong, is a Hall of Fame quarterback and, and, and a great one of the greatest that we've seen uh, of his. But boys, he has some games that just make you pull your hair out but it, it was not him this year he got hurt he had an unfortunate season my heckle and giant award is going to go to blake bortles because this son of a bitch oh, yeah he 
We know how terrible he can look when he's bad. When he's bad, he's bad. Then randomly this year, he threw in some games when he looked awesome. And it's like, what? What's going on here? Uh, Blake Bortles, this guy, he had four games over 300 yards this year. I don't know if you even realized that, but four different games over 300 yards. And he had six games this year under 200 yards. Now, that's the Blake Bortles that we know and love, the, the guy that can't even get to 200 yards. But the four games over 300 just didn't make any sense. Blake Bortles, he had five games where his passer rating was over 115, five games. The same guy had six games where his passer rating was under 65. The same guy. Blake Boyle, wow. what the hell, man? This, he was just absolutely insane. The, what that all added up to was a season in which he wound up throwing for, stunningly, 3,687 yards. That ranked 11th in the league in the entire NFL. And I ask you, Jason, in what world is there any way that you would think that Blake Bortles would be the 11th best quarterback in all of football? Well, I don't know if that makes him the 11th best. I think that makes him the 11th highest in passing yards. I don't think that passing yards a is a rank of, of a rank of best. <laughs> so we cannot take away the fact that he was the 11th highest in passing yards Great job, Blake Bortles. You put that right up there next to his fantasy points championship that he's probably won. He he could be Jimbo for all we know. Uh, that, the, the fantasy points championship uh, in that in that sandbox league that we were in many many years ago, the 2002 or three, I believe it was 2003. So 2003. Um, a long time ago. Long time ago. Many 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 moons ago. But uh, yeah. no, I mean he had. A crazy, you know, those stats that you rattled off about the the crazy number of games over a certain quarterback rating and a certain number of games under also reminds me of Cam Newton, who did about mm-hmm. the same thing this year. Um, it, almost literally to the point where it was good game, bad game, good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Uh, but to put the whole you know cherry on the shit Sunday here for Blake Bortles caps that all off with that playoff game against the Bills where he runs for more yards than he throws. Yeah. Unbelievable. Then comes back the next week and lights the Steelers up. Right. Same so, guy. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. I, that, that That's perfect. That's Heckle and Jide about as, about as good as Heckle and Jide can get within one season. Ugh, crazy. The production, you know, spikes and valley, peaks and valleys that you got out of that one guy. When they were right, they were amazing. And when they were awful, it, it was bad. No explanation whatsoever. Just the same, same guy putting up just crazy stats. All right. From there, I move on to my uh, more irreverent awards, these guys that earn special awards created for them just on the basis of things that happen this season alone. And we'll see if I can get through the whole segment with uh, with the Stanford and Sun music. Because most of these guys fit that kind of, you big dummy, what are you doing? Why would you? So I think having a, the Stanford and Sun music as a pet is a, is a perfect way to talk about a lot of these guys. First of all, the, the actual You Big Dummy Award, which I gave out last year to Laramie Tunsil for his, his draft antics uh, before he got drafted. This year, I'm giving a You Big Dummy to Marcus Cooper of the Chicago Bears, 
Week three against the Pittsburgh Steelers, this big dummy picks up a ball right before halftime, is sprinting towards the end zone, and just pretty, pretty much comes to a complete stop before he gets to the end zone. He's celebrating. He's having a good time. He's probably about to break out the cabbage patch and, and the, 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 the spank and every other old dance you can come up with. And Vance McDonald runs up from behind him and knocks the ball out. And it's not a touchdown. It's not a safety. It's no points. It's out of the end zone for a touchback and just took seven sure points off the board for the Chicago Bears. I don't know what that says about the Steelers that the Bears went on to win that game anyway in overtime, but they could have very easily lost that game and it would have been such a, a obvious Marcus Cooper reason for losing that game because he had a touchdown. But you big dummy, you just had to slow down and get the ball knocked out. It's just, just stupid. It's lack of concentration. Yeah, we, we, had, we had some moments like that all year. Guys just letting the ball... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that one that one really stood out. This guy was a bigger dummy, though. Marcus Cooper was not the biggest dummy uh, in the NFL. This guy was not a player, but he absolutely was a bigger dummy than that because you got a couple of you got a lot of different awards you could have made out for for this guy. You could break out your best line coach pun for him that he was the the, the line coach doing lines that he was the. Uh, the family man, the family that does blow together, goes together. This is not the family man that you want to be if you're the uh, Miami Dolphins former offensive line coach, Chris Forster, who uh, was fired after video surfaced of him. We can't say doing a line, can we? Because we don't know that it was technically uh, a line of cocaine because we weren't there. We can't prove a thing. Uh, we don't know that it was cocaine, but he was clearly snorting a line of something off of his work desk. He was at the Dolphins' office doing a line of something off his desk. He sent this video to a Vegas stripper named Kawana Nige uh, of him uh, he's snorting some substance uh, off his desk, and he sent it to this stripper because he missed doing blow off of the stripper's body, and he wanted to send her a video of him uh, doing that and reminding her of, of the good times that they were having. And the reason that that's not the family man that you want to, to be known as because Kiwanja Nige is not his wife. The man is married with children, and that wasn't his wife that he was talking about. And uh, wow, I, this guy, you talk about the biggest dummy you could possibly be, just completely pissing away an assistant coach's job in the league for no reason, just torpedoing his career, probably torpedoing his family life for no reason then he wanted to send a video to a stripper that he was fucking. What the fuck? Say what you will about the NFL. No sport gives you more data to mine than this league. Whew. Unbelievable. From there, I'll go to uh, the participation whistle because now we get to talk about the subject that you were referencing earlier, which really did put a shadow over the league even more than the, the kneeling everything else. All the referee decisions and, and and craziness that went on as far as the calls going back to the office. The participation whistle goes to the NFL referees who still have to look at replays on their Microsoft Surface tablets because you got the endorsement deal that you still have to put those tablets out there. So every time there's a challenge, they they have some poor guy run out with the with the tablet to show it to the referee. They're not making the call anymore. 
they don't go under the booth and and they don't do the you make the call they you see the spoof that they had a commercial even that talked about uh we're going under the booth and we're gonna eat some chips and drink some beer and after further review we need further review they don't even do that anymore they're just standing there out there in the open with this stupid ass tablet looking at a play that they have no call over because alberto riveron in new york is the guy actually making all of the calls when they go to challenges now. So the referees are just standing there with their, their thumbs up their asses looking at this tablet. So they get a participation whistle for, for pretending like they have any say at all in, in any of these challenge calls. But they actually don't have any say in it. That leads me to uh, the award, If There's a God, He Hates You. And that award goes, of course, to Zach Miller, the Bears tight end. Because if there's a God, apparently he does not like Zach Miller very much. Zach Miller, if you remember... Week 8 against New Orleans, goes up for a catch in the end zone, comes down, gets his knee just destroyed. He got it destroyed so bad that he needed urgent vascular surgery because he was at risk of losing his leg. He came down with the ball, even though he got his knee blown up. Then he rolled over and put the ball down next to him so he could tend to his hurt knee. That play was then under review. And the touchdown that he went up and sacrificed his leg and probably his career to go get was overturned by Alberto Riveron because when he put the ball down next to him, he did not complete the process of the catch. And therefore, what is a catch? Well, apparently when you get your knee blown out of, blown into smithereens and you put the ball down next to yourself, apparently that's, that's, that's not a catch. You, you didn't do enough to make the catch, son. So, sorry. Alberto Riveron, this guy, the most egregious officiating boner of the year, is not one of the officials on the field this year. It really isn't. It's the NFL for making this guy, Alberto Riveron, the the be-all and end-all that makes all the calls on all of these challenges because he was so bad at this. They actually started joking about it in the broadcast booth. They would be like, well, this challenge is, is looks like it's going to be pretty easy. We're looking at the replay four and five times, and it looks like it should be an easy ruling to make. But we don't know because we've, <laughs> we've had so many calls this year that didn't go the way that we thought it was going to go. We don't know if there's going to be a, complete, uh, a clear overturn or, or a clear call. Let's go to the Alberto River own call on the field, and let's see what they have to say. It's such a joke how bad this guy is. And I'm actually not disappointed or mad at the call to have somebody unilaterally in, in New York making these decisions. This isn't the guy to be making those decisions. He clearly proved that he's not the guy to make those calls because he doesn't know what he's looking at. He doesn't know what he's doing. There's so many calls that were so clear that he decided to go the other way on. And it became a, a, a joke of Benny Hill-type proportions. And I've already read, unfortunately, he's going to be back next year doing the same thing. So we get to look forward to more of this. More what is a catch, more what is a fumble, more more what broke up the pass and what completed the process of the catch. And uh, So, yeah, we, we get a lot more of this uh, silliness next year. Good for us. Yeah, no, we all are. We're all going to lose when it comes to this. The, the problem is... The power clearly went to this guy's head. And you had somebody who you could tell had just completely gone rogue and was looking for something to overturn the call on the field and making some and making incompletions out of completions and 
fumbles out of non-fumbles. Literally, you had somebody every time they, they buzzed down to the officials, thought they saw something, and they were going to look at it till they found that angle and were able to have that aha moment and that gotcha moment. And it's completely against the spirit of the game. And it is, it's like I said, it's doing more damage to football and its brand than, than anything else. Total fucking joke. My most obvious pun award is going to go to lucky or unlucky Whitehead, who was cut before the season began by the Dallas Cowboys after Virginia cops said that he was arrested in June and missed a court date. Uh, and it turned out, no, actually he wasn't. Some guy uh, was arrested for, for something in June, I think shoplifting, and he missed his court date. And he had done some, uh, this guy had done some uh, identity theft stealing and was able to get a hold of Lucky Whitehead's name and social security number and birth date and all that stuff. And that's the information that this guy gave to the cops. He gave Lucky Whitehead's actual birth date and actual social security number. And so the cops thought they were looking for Lucky Whitehead all this time. It wasn't Lucky Whitehead. So uh, he got cut anyway and wound up, of course, uh, off the Cowboys. You can say that he's still kind of lucky because he did get another job in the NFL you can also still say he's unlucky because that job he got was with the New York Jets. Uh, but I guess either way, he wasn't going to win the Super Bowl because <laughs> the Cowboys and the Jets managed to not make the playoffs either way. But for having a really terrible uh, situation in which a vast majority of people thought that he was a criminal on the run from the law for at least a couple of days and his team didn't believe in him and just totally called him a liar and cut him, Lucky Whitehead was absolutely unlucky. Yeah, and just remember, we've reached the day and age where you don't actually have to have done anything. You just have to be accused of it. Uh, unfortunately, in this case, that's exactly what happened. That's right. The Donovan McNabb Memorial Rub Some Dirt On It Award is something near and dear to your heart. Goes to, of course, ironically, uh, another Eagle, Carson Wentz, who uh, played four more downs after tearing his ACL. Uh, including throwing a touchdown pass. This was uh, at out in L.A. week 14 against the Rams where Carson Wentz got injured and knocked out for the season. But he gutted through. He played. He kept playing. He threw a touchdown pass and then went to the locker room and said, uh-oh, I've got a torn ACL. I'm out for the year. Very reminiscent of the time that Donovan McNabb broke his leg but stayed in the game to throw four touchdowns in the first half of the game and then went to the locker room and discovered he had a broken leg and miss the, I believe, the rest of that season. Uh, very near and dear to your heart, Jason, because, of course, Donovan McNabb was on your fantasy team at that time, and you played against me that week. And Donovan McNabb throwing four touchdowns with a broken fucking leg was enough to beat me in that fantasy league. So he was always uh, uh, in our personal history as the guy that just, hey, just rub some dirt on you. You got a broken leg? You got to stay in the game. You, you got to play Andre in fantasy, and you got to beat him. So whatever you do, you got to stay in to, to long enough to do that. Yeah, the only thing that would have made it better would be it would have been if I would have been playing you in fantasy football and had Carson Wentz starting for me. Yes, it was kind of shocking that I, I wasn't playing against Carson Wentz in the in the league that I was in. I would have expected that. Yeah, well, I was that's legendary that that Donovan McNabb broken leg four touchdown performance, and yes, it was against you in fantasy football. That, that is the absolute truth. You're not, uh, folks, he can't make this shit up. Exactly. Speaking of Carson Wentz, the Kevin Spacey What About Me Award 
uh, will go to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, uh, he put in the work all year for the Philadelphia Eagles. He had MVP chance uh, ringing out through Lincoln Financial Field for him. And then he gets hurt and he watches Nick Foles take the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He's got to just stand there and watch and, and pretend like he's happy about it. Kevin Spacey, of course, did all the work for uh, the movie. Uh, uh, what is the movie that just came out? Uh, all the Money in the World. Yeah. Um, and then once all the allegations came out, all the allegations in the world of, of sexual deviance and, and hitting on boys and everything else, and Kevin Spacey gets whitewashed from the movie completely, and Christopher Plummer gets put in his role, and all of a sudden you look up, and Christopher Plummer has been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, for a movie that he wasn't anywhere near when they decided to to film the movie. But because Kevin Spacey can't be a part of any projects anymore, he just got completely wiped off. And so he gets to watch Christopher Plummer get the credit for the work that he originally put in. And now Carson Wentz has to go to Super Bowl Media Week and pretend like he's happy about Nick Foles getting the credit for the work that Carson Wentz put in for the entire season. Yeah, I am still not excited about this Super Nothing you can say is going to make me excited <laughs> about this Super Bowl. No, oh, well, I tried. The Ultimate Weight I Feel Better Award. Shout out to John Larroquette. I think he's in a new TV show somewhere. The Ultimate Weight I Feel Better Award is going to go to Martellus Bennett because Martellus Bennett uh, was with the Green Bay Packers when Aaron Rodgers got blown up and knocked out for the season. And Martellus Bennett, the tight end, decided, you know what? I need shoulder surgery. I don't feel so good. I, I think I need to go get some some doctor uh, to work on my shoulder. I think I'm going to be out for a while. The Packers decide to release him uh, after all of that happened. You know, he's, he's, he's damaged goods. He's got a shoulder thing. The Patriots pick up Martellus Bennett. And the next week after the Patriots claim Martellus Bennett off of waivers, look, Martellus Bennett played and made contributions and made catches. I guess his shoulder wasn't so bad after all. Wait, I feel better. <laughs> he, just, he decided he was good enough to play once the Patriots picked him up. That was uh, that was one of those things that only in the NFL. He, he could have been a nominee for the Antonio Browns Grammy. That's right. He acted like he needed surgery until the, the Patriots got a hold of him. The uh, here's a positive award. I got so many negative ones, so I threw it a positive. The the running for a reason award goes to the 49ers wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, who had a real reason to run and run as hard and fast as he could in Week 10. Uh, he got loose for an 83-yard touchdown catch mere hours after his son was born, uh, stillborn, unfortunately for him, and he breaks down in tears in the end zone after he runs and, and scores that touchdown. He clearly uh, had some, some afterburner, some extra boost there because he was uh, running and, and paying tribute and, and getting probably a lot of frustration out as well. And Marquis Goodwin, heart goes out to you, cannot imagine going through a situation like that, uh, decided to play and, and got loose for that touchdown. And, and I'm sure it was a, a tribute to his, uh, his, his son that uh, unfortunately is is not with us, but man, that is uh, just to even make the field, just to even play under those circumstances was was a, a big achievement for him. But to get loose and have a touchdown run, um, I'm sure was a very bittersweet for him. Uh, so uh, good for you, Marquise Goodwin, for doing something a lot of us would not have been able to do. Yeah, I'll tell you, having kids that that's well, you know, you just 
and to go through to go through all of that and then to have it turn out that way I, I don't think i'd have been at work that day no i know I, I wouldn't have either i wouldn't have been at work for a while I'd, yeah. I'd, so yeah no that's that's definitely a positive one the uh, lady cab driver award will go to cam newton our, our guy cam who seems to always make headlines every year he told uh, a, a Charlotte, North Carolina beat reporter named Jordan Rodrigue, uh, who asked a question about how Cam was adjusting to his receivers uh, route running and how, how they were progressing in their, in their routes. Uh, Cam responded to her, quote, funny to hear a woman talking about routes. Uh, funny? I, no. I expected her to sort of break out like, you know, Robert De Niro in, in Taxi Driver. Funny? You, mean, you think I'm funny? Funny how? Funny like a clown? Do I amuse you? What, what do you oh, mean? That was, that was actually, that was actually uh, Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Oh. But, you know, but one, it's okay. One the same. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, that's Cam Newton's always got a way to, to make headlines and, and do something where you just kind of scratch your head and go, why would you say that? He's got the, He's got a serious judgment issue when it comes to some of his quotes so that, that fits right in with a lot of the stuff that he does then he turns around and does something that was pretty fucking awesome so i'm also going to give him a, a different award the the second city improv audition award will go to cam newton because in week 15 against the packers he decided to to do a little improv and it, it turned out pretty damn good for him the uh the the roided up uh troglodyte clay matthews uh, saw Cam Newton uh, at the goal line. He saw him send Christian McCaffrey in motion, uh, and he told his defense, quote, it's that wheel route, it's that wheel route, uh, because they obviously have been studying the, the tape, and they know that when Christian McCaffrey breaks out, they're going to run that, real, that wheel route, and, and Matthews thought he saw it and thought he had everything figured out, and Cam Newton looks up with him, and it was just the perfect way that the, uh, the, the NFL films caught this on camera, caught the, the voice inflection over the crowd and everything where Cam Newton just kind of calmly looks up at, 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 at the, at the up troglodyte and he goes with the, the course of that trademark smile on his face. He goes, Oh, you've been watching film, huh? That's cool. Watch this. <laughs> he, probably, <laughs> he probably delivers a touchdown pass to McCaffrey on an inside pivot. Oops. <laughs> Not that we were at. I'm sorry. That was fucking cool. Cam Newton knew they had the right play call. They knew that they had got the tendencies figured out and that they were going to do something that people weren't expecting them to do. And Cam, as cool and calm as a cucumber, just said, okay, you, you think you got what we're going to do? <laughs> Watch this right here. So that was Cam Newton's improv audition, and, and he could go to Second City with that shit because that was pretty, pretty fucking awesome. I like it. I like that. I, I, I didn't see it, but I, you described it, and now I've seen it. There you go. The uh, Dom Sub Award, we're going to get a little uh, dark here, is going to go to Denver cornerback Akib Tlaib and Oakland wide receiver Michael Crabtree because this is now the second fucking year in a row that Akib Tlaib has just decided to snatch Michael Crabtree's chain right off of his neck right there in the middle of the field just because he can. So obviously if Crabtree's going to allow this to happen uh, – the only thing I can deduce is that this must be a Dom Sub relationship that, that – uh, Crabtree must be the submissive and, and Akeem Tlaib must be the dominant and he can do whatever he wants on the field to, to Michael Crabtree. So I guess I would watch out for that. That's a division rivalry. So 
they'll see each other two more times next year. If he does it a third time, I think we can officially make this uh, the, the 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 Fifty Shades of Grey uh, award for Akib Talib, who clearly would own and dominate Michael Crabtree in a way that no man really deserves to to own another man, except for Richard Sherman. Uh, well, that's. Did Richard Sherman try something like that, or uh, Richard Sherman loves Michael Crabtree? We know that, right? Oh, the mediocre quarter, uh, the oh, mediocre wide yeah. receiver. Yeah, Michael, mediocre. Not Richard Sherman does not like it. Uh, a lot of people must not like Michael Crabtree. I think Michael Crabtree loves rubs some people the wrong way. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and say that I've got a suspicion that Michael Crabtree might get under some of these guys' skin. They don't like him. Sure seems that way. The springtime for Hitler Award um, is going to go to the aforementioned Buffalo Bills that we talked about a little bit earlier. They tried to tank the season by letting the whole wide receiver core just go before the season started. That wasn't enough. So then they deal their best run-stuffing defender, Marcel Darius. That's not enough. So let's go start Nathan Peterman, at quarterback, because he gives us the best chance to win. They do all of that trying to tank the season to get a better draft pick. And they make the playoffs. They did all of that and still find find a way to make the playoffs. That is the springtime for Hitler, which of course is the uh, the producers that movie the the play yep. uh, where they are going to go make this play called Springtime for Hitler. That's the plot of the play. Is they're going to make a play that is so bad that it's going to tank and and they're going to be able to keep all the their investors' money, but it actually becomes a hit, which is something they did not plan on doing, and now they owe their investors all this money the bills were not planning to be a hit they were not planning to be a playoff team but they're so bad at tanking that they managed to make the playoffs anyway yeah and didn't deserve to be there there were teams that didn't make the playoffs that i would have i think we would have both much rather seen than the buffalo bills who gave us without a doubt the worst playoff game of this run-up no question uh, not an every year award, but every now and then there's a situation where you get wait your turn young whippersnapper where there's a guy that's an older guy that obviously there's a younger guy that was drafted to be behind him or sign or is obviously being groomed for his position. And the older guy has a season in which you go, oh, okay. Uh, he's not ready to give up his, his oh, yeah. starting position, his crown yet. Obviously, yeah. he has to go to Alex Smith of the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Who, I knew where that was going. Looked at Pat Mahomes getting drafted and said, not so fast, kid. I'm not ready to go yet. So Alex Smith responded this year, 4,042 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, and he actually led the league with a 104.7 passer rating, and he sets himself up to be the starter in Kansas City this year and probably next year as well. So good on Alex Smith. Yeah, he had MVP talk going if it wasn't for that midseason sort of crash and burn that the Chiefs had when they let that whole division catch up to him. If he had been able to sustain, he'd probably be the MVP. And also with the Chiefs, uh, I have a first piece jitters award that goes to Kareem Hunt uh, because I think we all remember, boys and, and probably girls as well out there listening, you all remember your first piece. You remember the first time you get some pussy it just doesn't go the way that you hoped it would go. Kareem Hunt, his first game against New England, of course, in week one on primetime. As you remember, the very first carry that the rookie got, he fumbled the ball. 
he wasn't quite ready, and he he responded. He got 148 yards and a touchdown in that very same game in helping the Chiefs upset the New England Patriots. Goes on to put up a 1,327 yards rushing season, which led the National Football League. Threw in another 455 yards receiving, 11 total touchdowns. Hey, you know, you get your first piece. You don't know what you're doing. You kind of fumble around. Shout out to Jamie Robinson, wherever she's listening. Uh, but you, you, you rebound. You figure out what you're doing, and you and you do a lot better the next time. So good on Kareem Hunt for figuring it out. He had a great year. <laughs> a lot of guys had a lot of those rookie guys, man. Yeah, there's another one. Yeah, it's stunning. The level of uh, this is going to go down as one of the best drafts years from now for the talent that it produced. I have the uh, Oh Now It Makes Sense award. It goes to Seth DeValve, a backup tight end for the Cleveland Browns. That that weekend that we talked about, that everyone's taking a knee and, and sort of in protest of Donald Trump, you, you look out and you can't help but notice this white guy on the Cleveland Browns that's on a knee. And you, you're like, what? Huh? what? Why is a white guy kneeling against racial oppression? Whether he should be in favor of that. That doesn't make any sense. And then you hear some talking heads sort of try to casually mention, but you know why exactly they're mentioning. Oh, Seth DeValve, he's married to a black woman. Oh, okay, now it makes sense. I understand. Okay. You know, sometimes things just don't make sense on the surface, but you got to have that background information to sort of fill in the blanks. So now, now it makes sense that Seth DeValve was on a knee. So wait, did you just imply that all white people should be in favor of racial inequality? I don't think I implied it. I think I said it straight up. Why wouldn't you be? Come on. Oh, okay. Well, we're being honest. No, no, that's kind of asinine. <laughs> I don't really, and I really don't believe you mean it. Well, uh, anyway, we're running out of time. Let's see if I can get my last couple of awards in. The I never played the game award is going to go to Tom Savage uh, because he, still he hasn't played can, the game. Well, he can claim he's an opening day starter in the NFL. He started opening day in the National Football League, and I didn't. So what do I know? I didn't play the game. I wasn't a starter on opening day. He he only lasted a half, but he was a starter. By the way, Mike Glennon was a starter, too. (laughs) With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.